trying to disguise yourself as a worker bee. That's you trying to blend in with the hive. But you're not a worker bee. You're a renegade killer bee. Killer bee. Killer bee. Viceberg Slim. I will chop your heads off! Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a politics and news podcast with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Luis Parada, and Ian Forty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a politics podcast that used to be a solo podcast, but now that we're all locked down at home alone, doing solo podcasts are a huge bummer. So... I am joined by my new co-hosts, Ian Forty and Louis Prada. Hi. Hey. You might remember us from way back in Adam's past. Yes. We all started writing at Cracked at relatively the same time when a lot of people listening to this were still in grade school. <laughs> 2007. That's a long oh. fucking time ago, and we haven't long. spoken since. <laughs> there was the incident that we shall not talk about. That drove a wedge between us. You mean the one where me and Ian haven't <laughs> learned the correct pronunciation of your name in 13 years? <laughs> this is the exact incident where, yeah, it was more, it was, to be fair, it was more of a, I got tired of hearing the, the, myself referred to as like a, like a 13th century French prince, uh, <laughs> Louis, uh, and I just stormed away from, from both of you for the rest of my life, but... I know this is just getting off topic slightly, but we're going to clear this up right now. Your email address was Limp Louie. There you, you brought this on yourself. I still use that for most things in life because I came up with a middle school and I never dropped it or came up with anything better. But uh, yeah, I, it is partially my fault because I also have another email address that uh, just is just Louie. And I know that causes confusion with just random strangers who see it and assume my name is Louie. So I'm contributing to it. But I've, I, for over a decade, I've been correcting you both. <laughs> I honestly don't remember ever hearing you correct me. And you, I'm not saying you didn't, but I don't remember you doing it. <laughs> That's fine. I remember we met up in New York for yeah. a work thing at one point. And I think that's mm -hmm. when I got the bomb dropped on me <laughs> when uh, we, we met. And you were like, hey, Lewis. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. That's, not, that's not what your email says. So yeah, the wrong flustered the rest of the weekend. Uh, what do I say to this guy? What do I call him? <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> so yeah, this is uh it's still a politics podcast. We're still <laughs> doing that. And uh yeah, I wanted to to add some co-hosts. I reached out to Ian and Lewis and uh said, How are you with politics? And they said, Eh, fine. And I said, Good enough. Let's do a fucking politics podcast. At least we're willing to admit that we only know slightly less than you. Right. Wait, me? I don't know shit. Exactly. <laughs> That's my point. You seem uh, uh, like an expert compared to what we're going to bring to the table here. That's true. I've heard you form whole sentences about politics. <laughs> yeah, they took me weeks to write, but I get there. So we're going to do this show a little different. I mean, obviously, it used to be a solo podcast, so it was just me rambling for 15 to 45 minutes at a time. But uh, we're going to do some segments, and I feel like we need music for these segments. So if anyone listening has ideas for music that would accompany these segments, please let me know. I mean, I have some ideas for some of the stuff, but I don't know. Any musicians out there? There's got to be some. 
They didn't all die, right? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's still time. We haven't hit that peak yet. So this first segment, it's called the latest fashion. But here's the thing. Fashion is spelled different. It's spelled yeah. F-A-S-C-I-N. <laughs> like fascism. It's quite clever. If this is the kind of quality we're going to be expecting <laughs> for the rest of the show, I don't see how we're not going to beat Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're the new Mark Marin. We're a three-person Mark Marin. Does that mean we can be on Glow? <laughs> I would fucking love to be on Glow. That's a fantastic television it's a very show. Very fun show. It's an awesome show. Let's make this about Glow. No, politics. The politics <laughs> of Glow. Which there are some in the show. You know what? You're right. This is a Glow podcast now. <laughs> so this segment is about fascism and specifically this country's not even creep into fascism. This is a pretty rapid descent into fascism, which is moving a whole lot faster now, thanks to coronavirus. Mm -hmm. We mentioned on a recent Unpops episode that the coronavirus relief bill included $500 million for phone and social media tracking to contain the spread. And now it's been announced that Apple and Google are teaming up to build a contact tracing system, which basically means if you download this app, presumably because you have the Rona and you, I don't know, run a bunch of errands and come in contact with people, they'll all get notifications saying, hey, that person that you just sold a chicken sandwich to has coronavirus. You might want to go lock down for 14 days. It feels like Apple airdrop where people will airdrop dick pics to random women on a bus, <laughs> but instead it's like your medical record that'll like cause a riot in public. <laughs> Get the fuck away. Who, who is this son of a bitch? Get away from me. <laughs> I have a gun. It's just going to be dozens and dozens of those videos of people getting pulled off buses by police because a fucking notification goes off. <laughs> The way the system works, it would track interactions between phone users, and when one is diagnosed with COVID-19, everyone they interact with would be notified, provided they've consented to involvement, which, who would? <laughs> to be fair, it sounds like something I would accidentally do not reading the, uh, the agreement. Yeah, they should just market this as a face-swapping app. <laughs> well, I would do it in a fucking second. If you if you could do it on an app that makes me look like a gnome or like a Star Wars character or something, oh my god, I would give up my rights in a second, dude. I thought I was just going to be Babu Frick, but now I'm being imprisoned. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the the thing with a system like this, like maybe we need it now, but like, is the government going to turn it off after coronavirus isn't a threat anymore? No, that's the kind of thing you accidentally leave on, like, like uh, oh, I left the stove on and now uh, everybody hates each other and they're, they're causing riots in the streets. Uh, it's just, it sounds like the kind of thing that you, it, it's never not going to be in the wrong hands. Yeah, it, it just, it seems like there's all sorts of ways this could get abused. And if we put it in place for coronavirus and it turns out coronavirus is like the flu, where there's just a coronavirus season every year and it just pops back up every once in a while. We're just going to have this thing on our phone in perpetuity, which one was a cool word to use there. Excellent yeah. word. But also that's very concerning. Like this is a government thing. This is the government literally tracking our phones. It does let you know kind of what the world would be like had previous pandemics occurred 
occurred in a world in like the kind of environment we're in right now. Like we, this kind of thing would have likely happened and already existed and we would be totally used to it frighteningly used to it if, you know, we were living the technological world we have when swine flu was about and, and, and bird flu when we had those previous pandemics or mad cow even. It's, it's like a weird or just, we just like jumped in a time machine and got to see what everything would look like in the past if we just had our modern technology. It kind of feels like we're, we're prepping for that world where we just get used to locking down over threats of any sort. Like, this could just as easily become a thing where, uh, let's say, I mean, whether Biden or Trump wins, a whole bunch of people in the United States are going to be very unhappy. And if that turns into protests, we're already kind of conditioned as a country to be like, well, there's a threat. We better lock down. The government could just as easily be like, well, we're locking down. So if you're out in the streets this weekend, we assume you're out to protest and we will take action. And all of these centrist fucks that think Joe Biden is such a great candidate will be like, yep, that's what we need to do. The country is under attack from leftists and white nationalists alike, and we all just got to lock down and let the government fix this. Well, that's the thing is I feel like when it comes to, when it comes to this kind of technology in the hands of a, of a Biden and a Trump, those are our binary choices right now. I, wor- I worry about both of them. For Trump, it's because I feel like he would use it to his advantage to try to uh, silence voices. Biden, I genuinely believe he would do it out of the kindness of his heart because he thinks he's doing the right thing, not realizing the weird precedent that sets, the horror that sets of this kind of technology of just letting us all peer into each other's lives. Like, I understand the need for knowing what's around us and being careful but just if it's that bad just stay the fucking side (laughs) ian do you in canada what is the what's the surveillance situation like there are you getting cameras put up all over the country and all the fun stuff that's happening here (laughs) or or do you just trust your government so you don't care that it's happening we've got the you know the mild surveillance there are some cameras that you know, streetlights here and there and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's much less paranoid in Canada, I would say, than uh, from what I can tell from American media. But who's to tell if American media knows what they're talking about anymore? Because everyone says everyone else is fake all the time. But that aside, yeah, I mean, there, we always have, we have a subsection of people who believe Justin Trudeau might be Satan <laughs> and he's out to get us all. But Right, nowhere near on the same scale. Like, I've never heard of anything like this come up. It's weird to hear you mention traffic light cameras. I feel like I was installing traffic light cameras as a kid. We're so far past that now. <laughs> like, those were, that was the 90s, baby. I feel like, yeah, traffic light cameras are so ingrained that I just, I used to feel like they were an affront to my freedom. And now I see one coming up on ways and I'm like, oh, fuck, uh, sucks. I hate this thing. I'm going to report it so other people know about it. <laughs> Yeah, we're already defeating those fucking things. It's the drones (laughs) over Baltimore we have to worry about. (laughs) Speaking of weird measures that are maybe going to be put in place, this isn't a thing that's happening yet, but Americans could eventually carry certificates of immunity. Like, that's one of the things we sell America on is, well, this is a country where you can walk down the street freely and you don't have to show anyone your papers and you don't have to worry about being harassed as long as you're white and it feels like now even the as long as you're white is in jeopardy and you know what that's where i draw a line (laughs) that's where this podcast gets involved 
I, I'm sorry. I cannot take the same stance while I, uh, I am, uh, very much white skin color wise, uh, in the eyes of racists, I'm absolutely not. <laughs> I am Caucasian as they come despite my Latino-ness, but I might as well be completely brown in the eyes of a Klan member or a Trump administration official, whatever. Agree to disagree. <laughs> 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 so, Dr. Fauci was asked about this. Am I saying that right? I don't know. I was going to ask you. I, I was thinking like Bob Fosse kind of, <laughs> but but I've heard it say I've heard it Fauci. I don't I've heard it like three different ways. I'm not sure. I thought it was the chi. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the chi. <laughs> he was asked on CNN recently if it would ever come to pass that Americans might have to carry around some sort of document that identifies them as having immunity to coronavirus. And this is what he said. It's one of those things that we talk about when we want to make sure that we know who the vulnerable people are and are not. This is something that's being discussed. I think it might actually have some merit. And this feels like a a step in the wrong direction that we're definitely going to take because it means we'll all be able to go to Chili's again. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait for that Chili's. That first Chili's back. Oof. I want my chilies back, chilies back, chilies back. <laughs> Oof. Fire, Adam. <laughs> See, I've never been to a chilies, so I, I just can't relate to any of this. Don't. Don't go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to go to chilies. You know what's noticeably absent at chilies? Chili. I don't think they have it. <laughs> huh. Big misnomer in that name. So like if I'm if I'm playing devil's advocate for my own concerns here. I'm guessing that something like this, if we did have these immunity papers, it would only be enforced during like times of lockdown. But I can't imagine how you decide who to check and who not to check otherwise. And by that, I mean, I obviously know how law enforcement would decide who to check and who not to check. (laughs) Best case scenario, it just comes down to poor people versus rich people. But it would probably get a little more micromanaged than that just judging from other similar policies like this that have been a thing like stop and frisk in new york like we know who's going to get asked for their goddamn papers if this comes to pass yeah and if it's either going to be it's people of color or anybody who coughs in public for like a second you have a little bit of hay fever or something some seasonal allergies all of a sudden you're being thrown against a wall and being asked for your documents yeah like it feels like a very real possibility. And what makes it a little more alarming is the Department of Justice recently issued a memo to federal law enforcement on March 24th, suggesting a list of coronavirus related crimes they should prosecute. And some of the suggestions make sense, like prosecuting Internet and healthcare fraud, obviously. But then there's also stuff like threats to intentionally infect other people with the coronavirus because, according to them, coronavirus qualifies as a biological agent under federal law. So what happens if you step outside without those immunity papers and someone asks, are you going to get charged with a federal crime? Seems like you could be. We've already heard some stories of people... Like going into like grocery stores and purposely coughing all over everything and uh, just to sow chaos. I I think there might have been one story of some woman who had it or maybe they suspected and they just basically the grocery store just threw out everything that they had that she was around just to be safe. So, there are obviously some situations where you kind of need to police these kinds of people a little bit. They need to suffer some kind of consequences. But at a certain point, depending on how 
broad you make this, it sounds almost like we're approaching the point where we're arresting people for farting in an elevator almost. <laughs> like just you, you've released a gas, you've released toxins that could po- potentially infect us all. I'd be fine with people getting arrested for farting in elevators. Oh, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know if you you heard the smile I said. I, it was on my face when I was saying that, but I, I cannot wait. <laughs> There's some precedent for that, though. I mean, I remember years ago, somebody getting prosecuted. He used to work with my mom, actually. He got sent to prison because he was an intentionally infecting women with HIV. Holy shit. He had it. He didn't tell anyone. He knew he was giving it to them, but he kept it a secret. And he got, I, I think they charged him with, you know, like attempted murder, basically. I really thought that was going to be a story about someone farting in an elevator. (laughs) And it took a significantly different turn. (laughs) He probably did that, too. That's absolutely the kind of guy who would do that shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty small step if you're out there intentionally infecting people with HIV. So you're saying, uh, Ian, that the guy had a real intentionally infecting people with HIV kind of vibe. (laughs) Very much like... You could tell. (laughs) That guy. One of the problems here, or not really a problem, but what makes this interesting, I mean, it is a problem. I don't know why I said that, but the government's definition of biological agent is really broad. They define it as any virus or bacteria that is capable of causing death, disease, or other biological malfunction in a human, an animal, a plant, or another living organism. So that, sure, that covers coronavirus, but it also covers the flu, chickenpox, common cold. Like, that could be anything. And if this comes down to a situation where we do have to have these papers, and if you leave the house without them, are you going to get a ticket or get charged with a federal crime? That's kind of the important question here. Because this is really similar to the federal government's definition of chemical weapons, which is also very broad, so much so that one federal judge complained that it turns each kitchen cupboard and cleaning cabinet in America into a potential chemical weapons cache, which, first of all, cool. I didn't know I had that kind of fun brewing in my kitchen. Well, that's why I keep the anarchist cookbook right there next to my Chrissy Teigen cookbook. (laughs) I have an anarchist instant pot. (laughs) it just explodes automatically whenever you turn it on yeah anything you throw in there just turns into a bomb it's great it's great saves me so much time but this actually the chemical agent thing is important because in 2007 federal prosecutors brought federal charges against a woman named carol ann bond for putting a small amount of a caustic substance on the doorknob of her husband's lover which is such a Carol Ann thing to do. <laughs> that is classic Carol Ann. <laughs> and the substance she put on her doorknob was called potassium dichromate. She bought it on Amazon. The resulting injury forced the victim to run her thumb underwater for a minute to wash it off. Is she okay? She's fine. <sighs> Good. We dodged a bullet there. She was in intensive care for a few weeks <laughs> while they gently ran water over her thumb. <laughs> for an, an additional minute. Uh, it was a grueling minute, though. Yeah. It was real tough. She was really worried. Is something wrong? Am I going to die? And then she completely forgot about it for the rest of her life. <laughs> and, like, that is a crime. Like, you can't just go spreading hazardous chemicals on people's shit. 
and expect no one to do anything about it. But is it a federal crime? Yeah, it's 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 a crime, uh, but it's just because your crime did not have the intended uh, effect uh, does not mean it wasn't still a crime. But we should be reserving mild irritation that can be cured with a, a minute of running your hand underwater with you know a, a bioterror attack uh, on on New York City, uh, you know something something big and and uh, kind of like late nineties Michael Bay. It sounds like we're, we're kind of conflating the two. Yeah, and it it's a thing that could just as easily happen with coronavirus where, you know, like what kind of acts are going to happen in public that are going to get people arrested? Will it be coughing or you're not wearing a mask? Like, I know there are people out there who find it hard to believe, but sometimes people don't have the money for things like this. And if you put measures like this in place and say, all right, you're going to get charged with a federal fucking crime if you don't comply. Like, what if you don't have a face mask or access to one and the government isn't fucking giving them out? Then this is going to disproportionately impact poor people. Like so many other sanctions that are put in place for so many things around the world. And it feels like they're kind of trying to test this precedent by declaring this a biological weapon. Because when this came up in 2007, it went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, no, it can't be charged as a federal crime. The federal government has the right to criminalize activities that harm the federal government, implicate foreign relations and affect interstate commerce. But criminalizing local activity is up to the states and that right is protected under the 10th Amendment of the Constitution. So this is probably about testing that barrier as much as anything else. So much of what we've talked about so far up to and including this is all about where do you draw the line because all of this stuff is rooted in good ideas and getting things that we probably should be doing in a virus kind of situation that we're in, pandemic. Uh, but it's about where do you draw the line to make sure that we don't overstep our bounds, that we're not dipping our toes directly into a fascist state. And it just it, – it, it, like it's we're all going to answer this question collectively in November of do we want to go full-on fascist? By re-electing Trump, or do you want to like go kind of weird, old-school Democrat moderate who does things from the goodness of their heart, but doesn't realize they're still bad, um, and but could possibly be convinced otherwise? So I don't know. It's 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 a weird time where we the scales are tipping, and I, I honestly have no idea where they're going. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out especially in terms of just our civil liberties and our personal freedoms, because we give a lot of that shit away in times of crisis. And these are all other examples of ways we might give it away further, because I can see the federal government making the argument that, look, this is keeping us from reopening our economy. So we got to take some really strong measures to keep people inside, but also in a way that allows people who aren't sick to go outside and continue their lives. So that part in the 10th Amendment where it says the federal government can only prosecute things that harm the federal government or the country's safety, I feel like they probably could make a convincing argument and say, yeah, like we can't have people out here crossing state lines and going out and infecting people when we finally got this under control. It is a federal matter. So it'll be interesting to see how that part develops and how far that really goes and if we'll be able to flee to Canada when it all happens 
Do you think Canada will still take us, Ian? We've already closed the border. It's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. You haven't been welcome in a few weeks. It's done. I feel like Canada's going to get really comfortable with that. Like, oh, shit. There's no Americans here. And now our pollution is clearing up. The animals are coming back. (laughs) It's crazy. He's gone. Your scoliosis is cleared. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if this carries on for a long time, I don't know if that Canadian border is going to get reopened anytime soon. That's it's it's not that anyone in Canada is super stoked to have Americans coming in per se in any way. It's that people in Canada want to go to the US to go shopping. And most <laughs> of us live pretty close to the border. There's a lot of empty space up here. So you're saying our our Macy's are better than yours? Um yeah, I guess. That's pretty like it, I don't even understand what the attraction is because you'll buy the same shit you can get here and after the exchange you probably pay more but people still love to go across the border and go shopping oh i guess i guess because here we have less flannel (laughs) i i mean that could be it you know it could be just the pursuit of quality american textiles (laughs) that's what's drawing us all down isn't it like cigarettes and alcohol um actually i think smoking is kind of dead relatively speaking a lot a lot of smokers in canada but you can buy cheap red smokes so oh that's it probably booze though definitely booze uh but i don't know I, I know people who literally go across the border to buy like 50 pounds of chicken i mean we got chicken <laughs> here i got a lot of chicken up here i don't know what the difference is exactly i don't think there's a big price point they want our high quality antibiotic loaded chickens yeah could be it it's the steroids that make them delicious <laughs> I, this is very anecdotal because there's only one person I know who does this, but uh, uh, we don't really coupon in Canada. I don't remember the last time I saw a coupon, but I know a lady who will collect like a year's worth of coupons and just once a year in the summer roll through uh, Windsor into Detroit and buy a truckload of shit with coupons. So, <laughs> like one of those crazy TLC people who could buy $500 worth of stuff, but after coupons, she pays a buck fifty. <laughs> you can't do that in Canada, so those people always fascinated me. I uh, like there was one time in like my twenties where I was like, I gotta get on that fucking train. And no. It's like doing arts and crafts. I'm not <laughs> It is a it is a a, a weird weirdly a lot of work to be a coupon person like we'll in the mail i will get coupons uh and like just for like you know random grocery stores around the neighborhood and just flicking through it even though it takes maybe three minutes of my life i feel like i've put in so much effort to save 22 cents on deodorant (laughs) and it is entirely unworth it just spend the money and move on with my life yeah i agree with that and uh all of the canada talk lends really well into our next segment which is called what in the world which people who've been listening to this network for a long time will recognize as also being a podcast i used to do which was about international news and politics but here's the thing i'm not made of goddamn free time so (laughs) it's it's time for dad to start consolidating some casts here and uh what in the world which hasn't been active in months i don't remember the last time i did an episode but uh it's back now as part of this podcast yeah yeah you fancy travelers yay people out there clamoring for international news here you are with un ambassador ian 40 (laughs) (laughs) man did i just get an upgrade 
Excellent. Hell yeah. So, yeah, this is, uh, like I said, it's a segment about international news and politics. And also, like we just said, because of coronavirus, fascism, fucking out of control. And that's been happening overseas, too. We mentioned on Unpops recently that Viktor Orban in Hungary basically used coronavirus as a means to seize control of that country indefinitely, which was so fucking bold. Like he was like, (laughs) I think before even the NBA shut down, he was like, the only fix here is that I'm president for the rest of your goddamn life. (laughs) Also, no more parliament. I mean, they're there. They just can't tell me shit. But other than that, the country's just as it was. And the similar thing happened in Jordan. On March 17th, King Abdullah II approved a national defense law meant to combat coronavirus, gives him sweeping powers to enforce a state of emergency that he declared a few days earlier. But he also said it would be implemented in a way that will not impede the civil and political freedoms of Jordanians and to protect public freedoms and freedom of speech. Less than a month later, the Jordanian military arrested the owner of Roya TV and its news director after it aired a news segment showing a crowd of laborers complaining about their inability to work because of the government imposed lockdown. So, so much for that civil liberty stuff that didn't last long. <laughs> Whenever I hear these kinds of stories of, uh, of, of like these guys just seizing power in these moments and becoming the ultimate ruler of their land. I imagine Trump is sitting there watching CNN and he just kind of turns to an aide and goes, can, why can I do that? Can I do that? Yeah, and you see that in other countries too, where Trump will do something, and they're like, "Well, fucking Trump's doing it, and he's yeah. the leader. He's the leader of the free world, so we can do it." <laughs> I swear, they all have their, like their own WhatsApp chat, and they're all just like <laughs> exchanging ideas. <laughs> like that's how fake news became a thing all over the world. Like Trump, Trump should fucking trademark the phrase "fake news." He fucking trademarked "you're fired." Like, why not go for fake news, too? He invented that shit, too. I feel like at some point that discussion had to have happened with, like, Jared Kushner or something. Oh, 100%. <laughs> also, I'll link to this in the notes on the website, but have either of you seen that tweet comparing Jared Kushner's face from when Trump was running to now? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I don't think that's Jared Kushner. <laughs> he got he got lip injections. That's that's weird, right? That's Is that what happened or did the entire rest of his face just kind of cave in? Yeah, he had like a like a weirdly charming, almost a like a, a well, I wouldn't say this person is exactly charming, but Christian Bale in American Psycho. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, but it, they, what little charm, fake charm, uh, there is to that character I see in the in the young Jared Kushner. Now I see the uh, in in his current look the way I I, I now uh, just kind of uh, psycho Christian Bale. Basically, I, I see that the craziness in him. It's a it's a man who has had uh, all life force sucked out of him as if it were like a like like some kind of orb that just took a blue energy out of him, and now he's like a husk. It's like a really descriptive uh, creation of what happened to Jared Kushner. They're like blue orb sucking his life force out. Well, yeah. I mean, the truth is like stress probably, but it's not as fun. Well, yeah. Well, that blue orb is Trump. There's that (laughs) rumor or conspiracy theory that the reason he's so orange is he took (laughs) a bunch of that silver supplement that people were pushing in the 2000s and now he's fucking blue. So, he, he gets all oiled up with 
bronzer so people don't realize he's a fucking smurf now so maybe he's the blue orb sucking the life force out of jared kushner have you ever seen the movie little monsters with fred savage and howie mandel well of course i have okay the villain in that movie is jared kushner if you go back and watch it his name is boy and i think he's just a monster in a boy suit but uh, that guy looks exactly like him. It's very uncanny. I can't imagine people in the in the White House calling Jared Kushner boy and him <laughs> going, come on, you know it's not my name. <laughs> I also, I can't imagine a better description for Jared Kushner than monster in a boy suit. <laughs> That's pretty perfect. In other international news, this is where we're at in 2020. The White House criticized its own overseas propaganda outlet as Chinese propaganda. So we are now defending our international propaganda machine against attacks from our domestic propaganda machine. So we, we are eating our tail at this it point. Feels, it feels like two chat bots talking to each other. Like there's, <laughs> there's no humanity here. It's like... <laughs> You're just a bunch of idiots, dummies, not doing, not contributing anything. This is that that meme, that Spider-Man meme, where one Spider-Man is just pointing yeah. at the other Spider-Man. It finally <laughs> makes sense in a real-world scenario. Yeah, I, for starters, had no idea the White House had a weekly newsletter. Or is it a daily newsletter? Yeah, I think it's a daily one. Six, Six, <laughs> 1600 daily. Use code on POPs at checkout to save 15% off your subscription. <laughs> Hey, as long as fascism reigns, you got to make some money off of it. They, in a recent issue, I was struggling. I wanted to call it episode, and that didn't feel right because this is a newsletter. In a recent issue, they blasted our government's own overseas propaganda radio station, Voice of America, as being too biased in favor of foreign governments, specifically the Chinese government, which... That's been a common Trump administration complaint about a lot of people involved in a lot of areas of life pretty much since they've been in office. This all really feels like it's brewing toward some sort of confrontation with China sometimes. I would hope it's just their propaganda outfit. So it's just uh, it's just just people throwing advertising at each other and none of it really working, just bouncing off of one another. Yeah. Just a fucking battle of the bands, but it's just <laughs> spy bloggers. <laughs> yeah, Trump's going to bring, he's going to draft the Federalist uh, writers <laughs> in and they're going to launch their own bizarre propaganda bullshit at him. Oh, I could see that because this, like, one of the things that makes this so weird is when Trump took office, he appointed a bunch of right wing fuck sticks to Voice of America. And people were like, you're trying to craft this in your own voice. And it's like, of course he was. But now maybe that's not working. I don't know. For some reason, I want to think of Voices of America not as a just a stupid email newsletter. To me, when I hear that, I think of it as like a radio station for some reason. And Yeah, Voice of America is. The yeah, 1600 okay. Daily is a newsletter. Oh, okay. Okay. I gotcha. gotcha. And yeah, he, he was angry that they compared death rates in China to death rates in the United States. That's what set the White House off and said they were too deferential to China because I'm assuming they wanted them to say China didn't tell us about this and they're covering up how many deaths they have. So somehow that minor disagreement gets turned into 
Voice of America is deferential to China. They also were angry that Voice of America tagged some Iranian leader in one of their tweets, which that I I can kind of see our gut. Like if I'm the government and Voice of America is tagging this Iranian leader who has all of these anti-American tweets in his timeline, which this guy did, then I, I can see that being a question. For what reason was he even included? Like, this sounds like like I I'll throw a tweet out and tag White Castle in it because I want to get some free burgers or something, and I'm hoping they notice me. What do you What do you do with this on a, like a major world political stage for though? Like, Twitter has turned everyone into an eighth grader. Just fucking awful website that I'm on every day. Yeah, I, I think about quitting often, and I never do because <laughs> then I'll see one funny tweet, and I'm like, "Yeah, one me over Twitter." <laughs> what about Facebook? Either of you still on Facebook? Yes, and I, I also that's the same same idea, but with less uh, reason to stay. Just just more of like, oh, my friends talk on Messenger, and that's all I got. Oh, you can you can delete your Facebook and keep Messenger. Oh, oh, awesome! I think I might do that actually. That's a tip, America. Who's the voice of America now? Sounds like we are. We have seized the voice. Uh, I love the um, in the you sent us this story uh, in a Politico article, and like right up front. They mentioned that it's an extraordinary attack on Voice of America. But when the president attacks everyone all the time across every single medium in which he can have an opinion, it's not extraordinary. It's normal and it's everyday life and it's a living hell. This is not extraordinary at all. I just can't wait till they turn this into a, a, a good morning Vietnam type of movie with a, uh, a Robin Williams energetic. Ooh, we just love this fascist guy who's spreading our fascism all across the world. I would watch that movie. I mean, who's going to star in that who could who could master that level of frenetic charm though? Yeah, just a wacky fascist DJ working on behalf of the United States. <laughs> when he like a like a Bubba the Love Sponge, you mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just oozing charm and grace. What if that's all Voice of America is? Just fucking <laughs> shock jocks and morning radio DJs. Fucking, hey, we're talking to a stripper here. Fucking shitting on Duterte's drug policy. <laughs> hey, Duterte, you can't take away our strippers. <laughs> I would listen to that all fucking day. I would try to get this podcast on that network. <laughs> so let's talk about one more piece of crazy-ass international news. The coronavirus 5G conspiracy. Ugh. People are burning cell towers down in England over <laughs> this shit. And it is insane how many people are pushing this theory. Most recently, John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, MIA, and Carrie Hilson. You both remember Carrie Hilson, right? Uh, sure. Of the Connecticut Hilsons? <laughs> <laughs> she was an R&B singer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are all believers in the idea that the rollout of 5G is to blame for coronavirus. And people have been concerned about the health effects of 5G for a long time. But for this to be some kind of conspiracy seems like real bullshit to me for <laughs> two reasons. One, 5G is going to be everywhere really, really soon. So if this is some sort of conspiracy to launch these effects on the populace, it's going to impact the people conducting the conspiracy also. 
Like it would be like if Bush planned 9-11 and then was on one of the planes also. <laughs> like you're not going to get away with it. You're just going to get whatever else 5G does to everyone else. And also coronavirus is in so many places that don't have 5G. There's no fucking 5G in the Middle East. Like you think fucking Syria is outfitted with a ton of 5G infrastructure right now? Not really. So this seems dumb. So is it is the theory that it makes you more susceptible to it or something or that it just straight up gives you coronavirus? I think it's that the millimeter waves that 5G runs on naturally weaken your immune system and make you more susceptible to this, which as someone living in Los Angeles where there is a decent amount of 5G infrastructure, why aren't more people getting it here? I'm assuming those waves can breach the defenses of all of our one-bedroom apartments and <laughs> reach us while we're locked down. So why isn't LA with its robust 5G infrastructure falling victim to coronavirus more? Well, because we're all taking your supplements there. You all work out regularly. True. Avocados. Avocados. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably all the yoga we all do. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. It's, it's the thing about it is that it's uh, and really the core of like a lot of convincing conspiracy theories is that it's hard to deny the thing that you can't see where it's like these invisible waves are making me more susceptible. It's like, well, I, I could prove it with science, but there's still that, that weird barrier in my head of like, what if? Because I don't have definitive proof. Like if somebody flicked on a switch that said 5G and then all of a sudden everyone within a 10 mile radius flipped inside out, then it becomes a little bit more... It becomes a little easier to deny, but when it's just something of like, oh, now I have a really bad cough and uh, if it gets bad, I could die. It's that, that's, it's that little tiny little nugget that people latch onto or that little bit of doubt that they could deny everything, deny all the science with that one little thing. And it's just so hard to argue against that shit. The doubt nuggets were my favorite 90s band, though. <laughs> <laughs> they were good. Them and the spin doctors. <laughs> But yeah, people in London are taking this really, really seriously, or in England, actually. All across Britain, more than 30 acts of arson and vandalism have taken place against wireless towers and other telecom equipment this month. Telecom technicians have also been harassed by 5G conspiracy believers in 80 other incidents. Oh, England. I, w I would hope it's really just all the work of like a, like a rinky-dink cell phone uh, provider cell phone service provider who's like who never caught up and they're just like oh we're still in 3g and they're rolling out five we gotta stop this that is a shockingly appropriate segue into our next story which is actually our next segment which in the middle of all this so much news about coronavirus and pandemics it's easy to lose track of the fact that Trump is still our president and he's still out there doing awful shit that doesn't involve <laughs> exposing us to the dangers of a pandemic. So hopefully we won't have to do this segment that long because hopefully coronavirus will uh, pass someday. But until then, this is where we talk about other Trump news, like the fact that MGM was told to hand over Trump's apprentice tapes in a scam lawsuit. And I don't think I was familiar with this this lawsuit but it's pretty fucking nuts basically on celebrity apprentice from 2005 to 2015 trump was pushing this multi-level marketing company called acn opportunity llc 
And the product it was pushing was a fucking desktop video phone <laughs> in 2015. Oh, that's awesome. Like, okay. that's the kind of thing where if you invested in it, you're kind of dumb. But also, it's <laughs> Trump pushing it. We trusted him a little more then. But like 2005, weren't we close to Skype by that point? Yeah, pretty close. Uh, I think like, I, I don't know. I don't know the timelines of this kind of stuff, but I feel like Skype was either in its infancy or just around the corner. And I am I mean, it's genuinely surprising that it wasn't like a rotary phone, like a business <laughs> rotary. <laughs> Only the best business is conducted when you have to spin the one all the way around. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane that they were pushing this for that long. And the reason they were able to push it for that long was because... It was a fucking scam. It wasn't an actual business that was going to improve anyone's life. And now they're getting sued over it. And now MGM, which apparently owns the rights to Celebrity Apprentice, has to turn over a bunch of unaired footage. But it's apparently not the footage where Trump allegedly says the N-word, which is disappointing. The man has a lot of potentially incriminating tapes. Like There's there's a potential P-tape. There's a potential N-word tape. <laughs> I'm either sh- has to be a blackface tape. <laughs> oh, 100%. It's good enough for Canadians. It's good enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Trudeau got uh, got blackface uh, controversy, then man, Trump must have something even worse. How do you get worse than that? Yeah, Trudeau being in blackface just by the rules of the universe means Trump probably owned a slave at that time. <laughs> I don't know if you're fully aware of this, but it wasn't just once either. Oh, was it a recurring thing? Yeah, there were like three or four different pictures at different times (laughs) that they found. Our prime minister loves blackface. What? I was the blackface guy. (laughs) Come on. It was my thing in college. (laughs) We all need a thing in college to set us apart so that people know who we are. (laughs) Speaking of the number of tapes out there that might exist in regards to Trump, The most fascinating detail of this story is that Tom Arnold apparently has a television series called The Hunt for the Trump Tapes. (laughs) It's on Vice. There are eight episodes, and I cannot wait to watch this. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. I can only imagine it's... Like, uh, it's, it's like a combination of like the, those haunted house shows on like TLC, but also, uh, like bargain hunters or whatever the fuck where they open up, <laughs> they just open up things and just bid on them and be disappointed when it's like, it's like some lady skeleton or whatever. <laughs> like American pickers. Yeah, exactly. He's just going to world leaders. What do you, what do you, what do you want on that, uh, Tape of Trump pissing on a prostitute. <laughs> 75 bucks. Make me feel good on it. That sounds like retail. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the rainbow numbers, man. I was thinking 45. I got to have room to make money. Come on. Yeah, I would watch the shit out of that show. I imagine he has like a divining rod that he just goes into darkened rooms. <laughs> like holding it. Oh, I think, I think it's here. I think it's here. That's my, that's my Tom Arnold. It's just generic guy on Coke. <laughs> that's pretty, that's, a, that's as accurate a description of Tom Arnold as monster in a boy suit is for Jared Kushner. <laughs> so our next segment, Lewis, do you want to introduce this? You already recorded it. 
Yes, I did because I don't want to read things live. It would be very, very embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you will think I'm illiterate. But uh, yeah, I, I have a segment on this show that I did not come up with. So, if it sucks, blame Adam. But I did write it. So, if it sucks, blame me. Uh, but yeah, it's called Have You Seen Joe Biden? And, and I'm hey. assuming there will be a theme song following that peppy intro. Yeah, I was going to say, on the off chance that there's a little intro music for this, here it goes. Where in the world is motherfucking Joe Biden? Oh, man, that was great. It was excellent. Oh, I that love so that song. The instrumental was amazing. So, let's get into this segment, and then we'll be back to talk about it. Where in the world is motherfucking Joe Biden? If there are any valuable lessons to be learned from just one person in the world, and that person is also a cherished American actor, insurance spokesperson, and the brother of a lunatic, that person would be Dennis Quaid. This past week, Quaid was asked by the Daily Beast what he thinks of Trump's handling of the coronavirus pandemic as a part of our beloved National Quaid Gauge, where we all decide how we feel based on what Dennis Quaid thinks about things. He said, I do appreciate that Trump is giving the briefings and on television every day, giving out the information. Visibility is all that matters to Dennis Quaid, not substance. Thus, it is true of us all. Right now, more than ever, we need our leaders front and center. Donald Trump is doing his part by commanding the podium, looking America directly in the eye, and boasting that he's fucked supermodels whenever someone mentions statistical models projecting coronavirus deaths. He actually said that. Listen. The professionals did the models. I was never involved in a model. But... At least this kind of a model. Visibility is all that's required of our leaders. Just show up so people who have CNN on mute will think you're in charge. That established, it begs an important follow-up question. Where is Joe Biden? The second he won the Democratic nomination, he disappeared into a puff of smoke and reappeared and is perhaps trapped within a home library from where he will occasionally send out missives that are encoded with messages requesting rescue or, more likely, requests for more extra cheese pizza. It is presumably from within these electrified walls of his library penitentiary that Joe published his proposal for luring in Bernie Sanders supporters who want Medicare for all. He suggested that the age of Medicare eligibility be lowered from 65 to 60. This may sound like it falls pitifully short of the all promised by Sanders, but when you think about it, and I mean really think about it, yes, you're absolutely right. It's like lowering the drinking age from 21 to 20 and a half. The half-baked attempt at leftist outreach was appropriately published on Medium, so it could stand beside other towering monuments of out-of-touch mediocrity, like the thousands of essays on microdosing that every Silicon Valley tech bro is required to write by San Francisco law or be banished to San Jose. Joe Biden has done so little and has been so absent that as I write this on Sunday, April 12th, I have a tab open to a Washington Post article by conservative columnist Jennifer Rubin titled, What Joe Biden Can Be Doing Now, where she gives the presidential nominee a series of pointers so he can get a head start on filling the obvious leadership vacuum in the country. The article was published on March 18th. Joe Biden has been noticeably absent for a month. So what's the answer to the question of where he's been? Well, he's been hiding out in his definitely not a library, probably more of a bar in his basement with a green screen in the corner, where he's been playing pool and asking staffers on Zoom calls to call him Norm. All that might sound like nothing to you, but this is just how one recharges their batteries after a long, grueling primary season where he campaigned almost nowhere, made little to no impact during debates, and somehow still won. So don't you worry. Joe Biden's doing exactly what needs to be done to defeat Donald Trump, a man so cunning that he will turn America into a fascist state while he gets his foot stuck in a bucket while trying to get his hand unstuck from a cookie jar. Joe may seem absent now, but he's just waiting. 
waiting patiently for the perfect time to pounce on that neon Bud Light bar sign he's been watching closely on eBay. It's going to look so sweet next to his jukebox that plays nothing but Billy Joel B-sides. Where in the world is motherfucking Joe Biden? And we're back! Oof, what a scintillating segment I made. It has been almost a month since we've seen Joe Biden. That is concerning. I think he's just chilling. He's just letting the whole thing, uh, all this coronavirus stuff blow over. You know, he's just relaxing and abdicating all of his duty to make us feel better. I think he's all deep fakes at this point. <laughs> Joe Biden's like 90, right? And he's made of soda crackers. He can't go outside in this condition. He needs to stay hidden until this is all blown over. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm interested if there will even be another sighting of him between now and next. we'll just have to play that same segment <laughs> just loop it over and over again surfaces <laughs> i'll just change the dates i mentioned in it i the thing about joe biden is that he has the kind of voice it's it's a it's it not not it doesn't sound like sam elliott's but it has the same quality of like it could potentially be uh, uplifting and inspiring because he has that raspiness where he talks to you and he's really he, he feels like it sounds like he's reaching you on a spiritual level but nothing he says is of interest or or uh it just it's just kind of there it all feels empty but i do feel like if he just took the time to put together just one even just a tiktok just dance a little bit just do something that made us feel like you're there. It, I think, honestly, it would make so many people feel better. Instead, he like he'll send out tweets that are probably not him. I don't even know if he knows how to Twitter. <laughs> but I, yeah, if he could just do like one TikTok dance, I think that would go do a lot in healing the nation. Just just as an aside here, from we've been doing this for like about an hour now, right? And in that time, mm -hmm. I have learned that you clearly want to like Joe Biden. And you don't. I, no, I would. I would <laughs> disagree. Want Not to. want. I would. I would prefer that he were likable. Yeah. that's more of the thing. Uh, I. I feel like he is a man that has uh, all the the makings, the the are the, the superficial makings of someone who should be likable, but there is just a, an empty hole where humanity should be, and it ends up coming off as I don't know. He's just like this empty shell of. It feels like wasted opportunity, like wasted potential. Like I look at Trump and there's nothing redeeming about that package physically, spiritually, psychologically. But there's a visage of things that are likable about Biden that are just – they are just so, so poorly put together and, and don't present well. Biden at least seems like a actual person. Like Trump seems like he was created in a fucking lab. <laughs> By, and now here come the fucking cops to arrest me for saying that. <laughs> I'm trying to mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's got to go underground again. Like Biden at least has that. Like he's he's got some likability and like he seems like more of a normal person, which I can't decide if that makes him more or less dangerous than Trump, because Biden is also the architect of one of the government's most racist acts of the 90s which was the crime bill and before the crime bill he spent the entirety of the 80s really really campaigning hard for more people to go to prison for drug crimes he's the reason the disparity between crack cocaine and powder cocaine existed that is the direct result of a bill he wrote in the 80s so i feel like his likability is almost a fault in my book because 
It just means he can pull shit like that and get away with it a little easier. Not that I would vote for Trump. And I mean, just because of the Supreme Court thing, I feel like I guess I have to vote for Biden. But man, I don't trust by like, I don't trust that law enforcement streak in Biden if this country devolves into chaos of any sort. He will fucking drop the hammer and his centrist fans will love him for it. I get like George W. Bush vibes from him a little bit of like there's the the likability aspect of like remove this person from politics and I could have a beer with him but then uh, put him in politics and you oh no, 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 get away. Get away from the politics. Speaking of Joe Biden and all the elites just like him, let's get to our last segment. I can't imagine what the music for this is going to be. How do you how do you have music for the, I mean it's like some sort of drum thing I think I, yeah. I think just the sound of a guillotine <laughs> yeah that would be sufficient the segment is called sacrifice to the elites of the week <laughs> because capitalism demands human sacrifice sometimes the rich gotta eat and they usually eat poor people when they do so this is a segment where we talk about how. The policies of this country, or maybe another country, huh? Maybe. <laughs> are impacting the most vulnerable among us. Ian Forty, what's happening in Canada? Uh, I couldn't think of any place more appropriate to focus this than on Dollarama, the, the largest dollar <laughs> store chain in all of Canada. I don't know how many you have in the US. Are dollar stores pretty big in Canada? I have to tell you this terrible story about Dollarama. It's they're is one right around the corner from another one at the strip mall down the street from my house. Like, they share the parking lot with each other. It's the same store. There's just two of them. <laughs> I don't know why. Remember there's that joke about how they build a Starbucks across the street from a Starbucks? They did that with this Dollarama. <laughs> and for when they were building the second one, I thought, oh, I guess they're closing down that first one. No. No, they didn't do that. And they sell the same stuff, and it's just the same store. But anyway... Uh, there's got a, I, th I looked it up. There's over a thousand of these in Canada and the guy who owns it has a net worth of over a billion dollars. So dollar stores are, are stupidly big, right? Like a lot of people rely on these to buy. I mean, they sell groceries and stuff in them, right? So yeah, that means he sold a billion items. <laughs> that is what that means. <laughs> uh, like the revenue 2016, I think it was, was like just shy of $3 billion Canadian. And before you make the joke, that's about $2 billion American. So it's still pretty good overall. Oh, I was going to make the joke about how you say about a boot and you did that. So did I do that? You guessed on the wrong joke I was going to tell. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know what to joke about. Anyway, <laughs> so they got like 20,000 employees, which is fairly substantial. And just last week, some of them took it upon themselves to anonymously get a hold of the press and point out that Dollarama isn't letting them have gloves or masks or hand sanitizer or even soap in the stores where they work. That is insane. It is. It's a bit over the top. It's a bit much, I think. That is America level negligence. <laughs> you know, we've been. I, I've had to go out shopping a few times in the last couple of weeks, and it's been pretty grisly with the lineups and everything that you got to wait uh, in. And I went by the dollar store the other day and I saw that they're, they're doing that. But inside, it's just the Wild West again. There's no laws in the store and the aisles are like coffin tight. So people are just rubbing against you when they're buying their poutine gravy and shit. No one's trying <laughs> to stay back. So it, it really is, you know, 
a cause for concern that there's tight quarters. People are everywhere and they have nothing to protect them from anything. And the dollar store replied with, first of all, we gave you a buck 25 an hour raise. So shut up. <laughs> and you're free to wear gloves and masks if you want, which is like a cool thing to say, I guess, except I haven't seen either of those things uh, since February anywhere in this entire country. So I don't know where people are getting those from. Not Dollarama. They don't sell them there. <laughs> it's not happening there for them. But No, you can get an oven mitt. Probably. <laughs> You're going to have to start strapping those to their faces because that's the only option they have at this point. I wonder if stuff like this, like say this ends up killing hundreds of thousands of people or close to a million people. If, like if it really spins out of control, I wonder if things like this at some point, if we're going to go back and prosecute over shit like this. Because Dollarama by now should know, or even by whenever this happened, even if it was two weeks ago, like, they, they know by now how serious this is and what you have to do to spread it. Uh, another example is the fucking governor of Georgia, where the CDC is located, like a week ago was like, yeah, we didn't hear that people who aren't symptomatic could spread it until 24 hours ago. And it's like, dude, I knew that in January. Everyone knew that. And, like, I really wonder if this ends up killing a whole lot of people. Are we going to go back and say, hey, maybe you should go to jail for being as negligent as you were you ever see somebody on on like twitter like bring up like uh some outrage about some crazy news story but they don't realize that the news story happened like seven months ago and we just we we just all moved on i feel like that's what the governor of georgia did in that situation where it's like (laughs) i i just heard about this what this is wild yeah it's exactly like that which i'll forgive that from like my racist relatives in wisconsin but not from the governor of a whole entire state <laughs> where the CDC is. <laughs> yeah. Like, was he just like, fuck the CDC. I'm going to wait to hear what my pastor has to say. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on in Georgia? He lost their number. He just, he, he got a new phone. <laughs> so how long ago did this Dollarama story come out? Oh, it's just shy of a week now. I think that the, uh, that some employees, and they did this anonymously, too. Like, they were afraid of reprisal. Not only are they afraid of getting a disease, they're afraid of being fired for being afraid of getting a disease. <laughs> afraid of the dollar store baron. <laughs> so, people are just still working at Dollarama the same way? Like, no? I mean, the, the, the dollar store, has, their statement on the matter was a disagreement, basically. They were like, no. <laughs> No, that's not how it is. Like, you can wear a mask if you want. And they conceded that they were going to put in those plexiglass shields that every store is using now in front of the cashiers uh, within the week, even though every other store had them up for the better part of a month at that point. Yeah, that's nuts. Grocery store workers and retail workers are kind of what inspired this segment. I saw someone on Twitter, uh, she tweeted a thing about how her daughter had to work at a grocery store and there's no fucking protective equipment or and they're not taking the steps they needed to protect her and someone jumped in and said your daughter is a hero and she replied and was like my daughter is a sacrifice demanded by the elites (laughs) this should not be happening right now and uh she's right i wish i i knew what it was like to live in a place that handled this properly because i if i did i feel like i would know what the proper procedures would be but i have been so bombarded by american 
can't that kind of commercialized can-do spirit of we'll fucking we'll keep money flowing through any goddamn pandemic uh, that I honestly have no idea. I, I don't come to me. Nobody dare come to me for solutions on any of this shit because <laughs> mine's just going to be keep it going until we could all die and get it over with. <laughs> Let's go to the beach. <laughs> that, that ruins our final segment. Lewis solves the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I spoiled that. I got ahead of myself, guys. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I mean, California is an example of like I, I'm I'm living in a place where at least so far we're doing everything right. Like our death, like our deaths last week. We were at 22 a day, which probably more people die in traffic accidents in a day in Los Angeles, but not anymore because we're not driving. So like L.A. has or California in general, I think, has handled this really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Further to my point, I live in Florida. uh, (laughs) And just today I read that Ron DeSantis, our wonderful, wonderful governor, uh, has uh, allowed the WWE to continue doing their thing in the state of Florida. So we got wrestling, folks. Wrestling is an essential business. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> You're in Miami, right? Yeah. Didn't the beaches at least close down a little earlier in Miami, right? Not as not as early as they should have by about two weeks. But yeah, they, they kept them open for a little bit because spring break was still happening. Um, we didn't have as many spring breakers, but the the fact that they, they kept them open as long as they did was absolutely a cause of some of the uh, why we have such a, a big outbreak here in the in the state. And then DeSantis tried to do the stupid thing where he tried to limit like uh, travel uh, from the southern part of the state to the northern part because there's just it's just rural farmland mostly up there and not a lot of people and that didn't work out too well because they all got infected eventually. It's just it's just one uh, horribly mismanaged thing after another. It's basically what Trump is doing for the whole country just as a microcosm just sh- shoved down into one state. I promise we will never have a Florida man segment oh, on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I can't defend them all. <laughs> yeah, but also if you're out there doing a Florida man segment, come on. You should why, why not do the Macarena on your podcast? <laughs> yeah, by now by now I feel like uh, or as big as as the Florida man meme kind of got, uh all uh, rising up not quite at the same level is the knowledge that we have those sunshine laws that everybody knows that everything that happens in the state is just out in the open, so you hear about every fucking crime that happens no matter how absurd and ridiculous and meth-fueled yeah. And it feels like you can't tell people that enough. They're no. still just like, <laughs> but Florida man, am I right? <laughs> yeah. People like their, yeah, they, it's become like a comforting thing of, I don't know, fucking Nebraska might suck, but it ain't no Florida. Uh, no, it likely is. Just get yourself some sunshine laws and you'll see, I don't know, somebody's doing some weird shit with corn or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Nebraska is Florida with vitamin D deficiency. It doesn't make it better. <laughs> and tornadoes. <laughs> So, I think that's our episode. This went really fucking well. Thank Yay. you both for doing it. That was great. Yay. Do uh, either of you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Social medias, things like that. Ian. I was just going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I just, uh, look, follow me. Don't expect much. Just go in really low bar. Uh, and it's uh, Lewis underscore Prada because my originality is just out of this world. Um, <clears throat> I also am I'm just going to speak this into existence to keep myself uh, uh, 
the task here, but I'm going to have a podcast at some point in the future. If you've <laughs> heard me before on the uh, Macaulay Culkin podcast, the segment I did on there on the Bunny Ears podcast, it's going to be that, but more and bigger and hopefully soon. That'll come at some point with a Patreon and all that shit. Uh, other than that, read me at Cracked. I'm still there doing stuff every single day. And uh, yeah, find mm. my stuff. Also at Bunny Ears. We're a lot of stuff, funny stuff at Bunny Ears. That's it. Mm, still at Cracked. Must be nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so good. Still good people there. That's how this podcast is going to end. Animosity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, patreon.com slash unpops help keep this network afloat. You will also be able to subscribe to bonus episodes and ad-free episodes of this podcast individually for just two damn dollars a month if you go to inbroaddaylight.supercast.tech. So uh, give us some money. Help us, uh, help us survive a pandemic with food in our bellies. I need White Castle. Help us Grubhub White Castle, please. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Lewis, say goodbye. Bye. Ian, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Goodbye.